What's going on, Atlanta City fans? Welcome back to the Lions Blog Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Rushnow, and today we will be reviewing not only the Columbus match, uh, all three matches. We're going to go into depth on all three of them. No, I'm just kidding. We are just going to talk in general about a couple of things that have been going on around the club, a couple of players we want to do a deep dive on, um, just a general episode here since... You know, the games have been coming at us very, very, very quickly. And um, we just we just haven't had time to sit down and talk about them all specifically. So unfortunately, we're not going to be able to do that. So we're just going to talk in general about what's been going on around the club and around some of our players. Before we get started, though, I'd like to thank our sponsors. First up is Lose Bonsai, run by OC Twitter's very own Jonathan Rinder. Lose Bonsai offers the finest quality bonsai trees and products at the lowest possible prices. Speaking of prices, Lose Bonsai is currently offering 15% off to all Orlando City SC supporters. All you have to do is enter the code GOCITY in all caps at checkout, and the 15% discount will be added to your order. Um, the website is losebonsai.biz. Our other sponsors, of course, Cappy Subs. You can order over the phone at 407-647-9099 or online at cappyssubsfl.com, all one word. They're located at 501 North Orlando Avenue. Maitland, Florida, not Winter Park. Make sure to leave a five-star review as we'll be reading them out on the podcast. And we do have a new five-star review that we will be reading out on the podcast. Um, it is by a bunch of letters randomly typed, so I'm not going to read it out. But thank you to whoever left the review. They said, great Alvarado episode, superb coverage, and great job by your guest. I can't imagine doing an interview like that in another language. Uh, yeah, Diego did a very good job. Um, obviously, English is not his first language. Um, but thank you so much for the the five-star review. We do appreciate it. We will be reading them out in the podcast, like I just said. With that, Chase, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. And Adam, how about yourself? All right. I played an okay round of disc golf this morning. So, uh, yeah, doing okay, <laughs> I guess. That's good. That's very good to hear. Uh, no Daniel today as he is working with a client, so he is unable to to sit down and talk about Orlando City. I know, what a terrible supporter. Um, let's start. I have many places I could start at. I love how every time, and I don't know if it's like this like when I'm not here, but like every time Daniel's here, not here, it just becomes bully Daniel um, hour. Oh, when you're not here, we bully you. When Chase isn't here, we bully him. Like, it's just the way we do it here. I feel like Chase doesn't get it as much. Why, bro? Look at me, bro. I'm very likable. What can I say? Chase's voice is a very likable voice. That's that's true. I also feel like Daniel, if if Daniel's here and we say something, he'll stick up for himself. So. He no, will. He'll. Yes. He'll listen, and then the next episode will come back with the comeback. Yeah, yeah like, like that. That's true, Chase. He he can't defend himself, so we have to hit him while we can. <laughs> that's how we do it around here. We we beat down on people who can't defend themselves. <laughs> that's the Lions Blog way. <laughs> no mercy. All right. So I guess we'll start with beating down on someone who can't defend themselves. Um. Ooh. Recently, there has been some. Segway. discontent 
with Sebastian Jackson Mendez's play. Um, and Chase, I'm going to go to you and then I'll get Adam's input on this. Are you as down on the way he's been playing? Obviously, he started the Inter-Miami game. Um, he also started the Montreal game and he's he looked poor in both of those games. Are you on down on his are you as down on his play as some of the other fans are? Do you think he's been all right? Do you actually think he's been good? And why do you think people are so down on his play? Um, I mean, the Inter game wasn't great, like, you know, 100%. Like, I think the Miami or, or the Montreal game, rather, like, that midfield that we kind of had coming out at the beginning of the game, um, you know, playing Sebastian and Andreas with each other, I don't necessarily think is the right idea. But, like, the Montreal game – or. The Miami, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I, you can tell I haven't done this in quite some time. But the Miami game itself was, uh, it just, I, I'd say that that was the more disappointing of the three, I guess. And I know still Andreas was in the game and, and, and all that. And maybe it was down to the midfield pairing, but he was just losing the ball quite a lot. And like, and not quite a lot, but I, I felt like it was a bit unnecessary. I remember watching the game. Um, and, you know, he's not necessarily a goal scorer. And a lot of his, value I guess as a player comes within like defensive contributions and I just haven't really seen what I expected of him at, at least particularly in this game and also you know he's a good connector between like the you know the back line and the attack from time to time and and you know I was kind of comparing it to his performance um I want to say I don't know if it was the previous time we played Miami or the time before when he was lining up against Blazeman Tweedy and honestly I thought that he kind of like played him out of the park you know like he he was getting the ball, shifting it on, keeping attacking movements going, and and you know doing a lot of defensive contributions. And um, overall, like I don't think that he's been that poor. I think that he always is the type of player that can have just a bit of inconsistencies, which you know still isn't great, but it's not something that I don't come to expect a little bit at least. Um, I thought he was good in the crew game. Um, you know when I I was in a very frustrated mood for most of that game, so maybe I wasn't watching him as closely when he came on, but. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, he was, he was able to get us out of tight spaces and stuff like that with Mauricio, which is, you know, another thing that he seems to be good at at times, but, um, uh, outside of the Miami game, I don't think he's been exceptionally poor and, you know, maybe that's me kind of missing what people are saying and, and, and not understanding what he's doing wrong, but he, it hasn't struck him. It hasn't, I don't feel like it's been for a wholesale of his previous performances, I don't feel like he's been terrible, but you know, he is a player with a bit of inconsistencies that pop up from time to time. Now, Adam, uh, same question that I posed to chase over mm. to you, but also I want to add to it. Um, if you are kind of like, and eh, he's been underperforming, do you think it's from tired legs from going to Ecuador, not even playing? So not even keeping his, his freshness, uh, his match fitness up. Um, he didn't play in any of the games over there. Um, do you think it's just down to inconsistency as a player like Chase mentioned? Or also do you think it might just be we're not using him correctly? You know, this, this uh, he's not an offensive-minded player, in my view at least. Uh, so same question on Chase, and then that one I just asked you as well. Yeah, I think Chase was spot on with a lot of that, actually. Um, and like always the answer to the question is generally yes and shades of gray and that when we do analysis we 
try to pick out as many uh, many factors in a situation that could possibly affect it uh, as we can find, and all of those things, and we'll never know uh, which ones had more of an effect than others. I think I think that usage is a little bit it because uh, Pereira has been in and out of the lineup recently, and so uh, Pere- Pereja, the coach, <laughs> has been trying to kind of manufacture that that uh, attacking presence and possession up the middle through a lot of different ways. And that's manifested itself in a lot of different midfield combinations, some of which included Mendez, some of which didn't and uh, included all different types of players. So the same players in different positions, the same players in the same positions with different tactics. It's been very inconsistent coaching in the midfield. And that's why I think we've seen a lot of draws because Defensively, it's kind of been the same. I mean, less pressing than we're used to until the Columbus game, which we'll talk about later. Um, but defensively, it was still kind of similar. But uh, offensively, the the tactics were all over the place, and that's why I didn't I didn't think we could get much going in the entire midfield. I think the entire midfield has been off recently, not just Mendez. And I think sometimes people like to pick out like a consensus scapegoat a little bit. And I think that's what we've been seeing a little bit with Mendez and not too much. Like I haven't seen too many people dogging on him, um, but it's, he's a young player. So he's going to be a little inconsistent, but also he, he's a great reflection of how the team is playing when the team is at its best. Uh, Sebas is a key cog in that. And what I mean by that is, if he is able to play, he's not an attacking threat, but he is good at combination play and advancing the ball through that. So if he's playing with either Urso or Uri and Pereira and they're controlling the midfield and he's able to do his little dink and dunks and get the ball forward and he's able to have someone reliable behind him covering him in case he makes a mistake, that's when he's at his best. And he and and that goes for defensively too because he's a bit of a destroyer. So particularly when Uri is behind him and able to to play that little sweeper role like he does, uh, Sebas is able to dive into tackles a little more. And yeah, he'll get a yellow card from time to time, but also he'll make some spectacular plays in the midfield press and get those turnovers that can spark counterattacks for Pereira. So I think that it just hasn't been a good situation for Mendez to show his best qualities recently. And so people are going to be a little down on him. But now that we've got the team coming back together, I think we're going to see more of uh, the early season form that he was in, which is which is when we were discussing several million dollar possible transfer fees for him. Yeah, and something you mentioned there, just to, just to sum it all up, you were saying little dink and dunk, little transition play. Um, uh, sorry, combination play, not transition play. Uh, one thing I, I that I've always seen Mendez as is a small space player. Uh, he does way better in those situations where he doesn't have a lot of time to think when he has pressure on him and he can do those combinations one two Very one much two. Agreed. And he's not a big space player. He's not the one to to sprint back thirty yards and and make a tackle. In my opinion, like he can, but he's not that athletic. He's better at the 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 cutting off passing lanes. The uh, the quick uh nab nab and tackle uh get the ball and get out of there um and then like like he's a very quick twitch athlete in my opinion he's he's more quick than fast like if if he played in the nfl he would be a slot receiver rather than outside guy you know right yeah yeah like one of those types of players and i think me personally i think it's down to the way we're using him 
mostly. Yes, going to Ecuador, not playing in any of the games, um, which I did talk to uh, the guy, I uh, the guy Diego, when I who I was talking to about Alvarado. He's also Ecuadorian. I asked him why is Mendez not playing for the Ecuador national team? Like he's one of their better players, and he said they just got a new coach, and the new coach is trying to see some of these other players who who he, he doesn't have any videotapes on. Like he, he all he's seen them is in practice, and he wants to see them in games, and so. This last international break, he didn't plan on using Mendez. Why he called him up, I don't really know. But he brought Mendez maybe as backup, maybe as cover. But he didn't really play at all. Mendez is supposed to be playing in this next international break. Um, but traveling to Ecuador, not playing, traveling with the squad, and then coming back, that's a hard transition. So I think that might be a little part of it. But I think mostly the... In MLS coming back, we're we're not using him to his best abilities. We don't have Yuri, like Adam said, um, and we're trying to use him as a big space player, in my opinion, and and it's not working right now. Um, so I, I I'm really hoping that we can get him back to his best by going back to what is one of his strengths, which is small combination play, and maybe that is just Yuri coming back. Maybe that's um, not switching to a four four two when he's in the game, but you know. <laughs> When when we have the injuries that we have, uh, you have to say, hey, I need you to do this sometimes. Um, switching to a 4-4-2 is not, um, is not something that suits him, I think. But, you know, you have to do it sometimes. And, and that's what we had to do in the Montreal game. And he didn't really look at his best. Let's move to somebody who did look at his best um, in the Montreal game and the most recent Columbus game. And this is kind of moving on to what Adam said about the pressing. Um, Tesho Akindele. Uh, this for me personally, I think he deserves a lot of praise. He's pl- started all three of the last three matches, um, scored in one of them, and has looked all in all very good. Uh, and, and especially in the Columbus game, I think he was the one of the main reasons why we've been able to press again. Uh, he's a very good pressing forward. He he puts himself in the right areas. He works very hard and. And he helps us get the ball back. Um, he's looked faster. He's looked more physical. He's looked better on the ball. Uh, some of his decisions have looked better. Um, you know, you can say, oh, he took that one shot and he skied it against Columbus. Like, yeah, but that's going to happen from time to time. Um, he scored from that kind of range before. So I understood him taking the shot. But I thought he looked very good. So, Chase, do you think us being able to press is just down to having Tesho Akindele back in the squad against Columbus. Uh, do you think it was him specifically, or um, do you think it was just in general, we were going to press that game because we, we, we saw that Columbus can't deal with a high press. Yeah. Well, a coming to this game, I think Columbus were like two, five and two since I want to say they played Toronto and got like battered. So they're not on the best form. Not only were um, they not in the best form, they haven't won an away game this season. Yeah, that as well. So it's, it's, it's known. I, I assume that Oscar probably knew before this game that they were going to be a little bit regressive. Like they didn't really create much outside of a couple chances, uh, you know, half chances in the first half. Um, they didn't really create much. So like you probably knew that we were going to have, a little bit more control on the ball. And, and when they were in possession, they were a bit more shaky. I definitely don't think that it's solely down to Tesho. Um, I think that the reason that we've seen the press come back just a little bit is a, because we are like a, a fully healthy squad. But I think the biggest part of that is just Mauricio Pereira, because 
whether he's pressing in kind of like a mid block or whether they're high pressing or, or, or something like that, he is, he's all over the field, you know what I'm saying? And, and Tesho's with that as well. You know, Tesho, obviously he shouldn't start over DK. That, that conversation ended, you know, probably two or three months ago, but he is a bit more of an involved player overall, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, the first job of a striker is to kind of get involved and score some goals. Um, not, well, just to score some goals, but he's involved in, in build-up play a little bit more, I feel. Um, and he's also involved in, in pressing and even tracking back. Like, there were a couple of times in the Columbus game where he found himself, like, you know, in our you know, in our own half, one of the farthest players back, and, and he was winning possession and then, and then kind of setting the ball up the field. And, you know, I do think that he deserves a lot of praise, you know, obviously for his ability as a player and, and coming in and taking advantage of his performances, whether or not he gets a goal like he did in the Atlanta game or if he just, you know, kind of connects the midfield to the wide players and, and presses the ball a little bit and forces some errors. Um, you know, he does well. And also it's like he is a player that was – coming off his career season, you know, first time he's ever scored double-digit goals, you know, he might feel like he deserves to be the out-and-out striker for this team. And, you know, Dom Dwyer came back and he was starting above Tesho, and then Tesho got in, or Dom rather got injured. Tesho came in, he did all right. And then, you know, Daryl DK stepped up and, and Tesho, being the professional guy that he seems like he is, um, you know, he he's responded very well to that. Like, he's come in and, and, and done a job and understands his role, whatever it may be, very well. And, uh, you know, he's remaining involved in the game and, and, you know, he's just him like most players on this team, you know, they seem to be very invested in, in Oscar and just the team as a whole. And, you know, these past couple games have been good to see him put in some decent performances because, but, you know, we, that's, that's something that we'll expect of him because he is a, a, a very professional player and the fact that he'll take advantage of his chances and, you know, not have too much of an issue if he's coming off the bench or not appearing at all, you know. Yeah, and and Adam, over to you now. We've talked about before how we think Tesho thrives in a two-striker system. That's how he looked um, so good last season, and that's how he's looking good here. And he's not, you know, a specific two-striker like every single time. Sometimes he does get shoved out to the right. Sometimes he does get shoved out to the left to kind of be uh, move in-game to a 4-2-3-1. Like, in, in games nowadays, you're not in a, a straightforward 4-4-2, 4-2-3-1. Like, there is movement between systems depending on where you are in the game. Um, but all in all, he is in a more of a two-striker system when in attack. Do you think, kind of similar to Mendez, the fact that we're using him the way he is best acclimated to, is, is that why we're seeing the best out of him? Or do you think it's down to competition? What do you think it's down to? Uh, that will always be the answer that is correct for uh, when a player is in their best form is they are being used to their strengths. Uh, 99 out of 100 times, that's it. And uh, Tesho, uh, he's a very good false nine in my opinion. Or maybe not very good, but he's a good enough false nine. He's uh, Because what that positioning does, and it could be... And he's almost... Even if there's not Daryl DK next to him or Benji Michelle next to him or whoever, there's still Chris Mueller and Nani on the field usually. And both of them play striker at times. Um, but Tesho Akindeli's biggest weakness is goal scoring, which is not a great biggest weakness to have, as, or, or at least creating his own shot, being mm -hmm. an, an asset in the final 
act of scoring the goal. That's just not his game. And that's a pretty big weakness to have as, as a striker, which is why I think he'll never be the number one striker for a team. Um, sorry, that's just not his game. And and that's the reason why back when he was starting before DK's emergence, we were all just begging. And it was uh, right before we signed IS, actually, when DK was starting to emerge. God, that took forever. But that was why we were begging, begging, begging for a striker to come from anywhere and just descend upon this team to complete it because Tesha wasn't doing it. Uh, and that's why I think we see him at his best in a system where he can play off someone else because he's much better at setting up someone else to score. Uh, especially he makes, he runs off defenders really, really well, um, particularly on, on the Mueller goal uh, against Columbus. Uh, and Gallardo pointed it out on the broadcast even. Tesho's making that little, uh, on the center channel, he's making that run to to draw that defender off the off the back post and leaving Mueller about five yards wide open. And he, he has time to settle the ball, pick out his shot, and score at the back post. Um, so that's an example of what Tesho does at his best. I think the question here is, is that valuable enough to keep him in the starting lineup over someone like, are we keeping another midfielder out of the starting lineup to, to start Tesho? Are we starting him over DK at times? Uh, like, is he above Alvarado and IS in the pecking order when they get acclimated? These are all questions we need to ask. And, and how valuable is that skill set to the team? Cause we've seen that even without Pereira, DK can, can set up his own shot which is an extremely valuable asset. And, and we've seen Benji play extremely well with, uh, that's another guy is like, he, is he above Benji in the pecking order, particularly after that goal Benji scored uh, against Columbus? Um, I, I think there's a lot of questions being asked right now. And uh, I don't think rather, Tesho's playing poorly. Rather than pecking order, I think it's down to, and we've had this discussion before, so we don't situation. need to go too deep into it. Yeah. D- situation. Yeah. But Rather than pecking order, it's I think it is situational. Um, yeah. If we're going to use a two-striker system, I want Tesho starting. I want him as one of the two. I, Here, it's just here's the thing. that's my preference. I think he's a very good second striker. Yeah, I think he's. That's, I think that's Benji could role. also be a very good second. It's what you want out of it, though. Do you want someone who a second striker is going to be a supporting player, which is what Tesho is, or do you want someone who's going to score goals, which is what Benji can do? So it's it's really how you want the the setup to look and and mainly you would want have their first when I think of a second striker I think of them as a supporting um supporting the first striker. So like Tesho and DK is not a strike partnership that I think works if you know what I'm saying. I think Tesho and Benji would work. Tesho and Ias um that I means dropping DK, that, and I yeah, don't, I don't exactly. like that. Um, I think DK and Benji works. DK and Benji works. Yes, I think that does work, and I, I think DK is a good second striker as well. Here's another thing: if as long as we're talking about two strikers, DK is a second. Stri- I mean, he can play it, but he's also a primary scorer. Yes, so. and he's really stepped up into that. Yeah being able to put the ball in the back of that a lot more than I thought he was going to be able yeah. to. I, he's no, a, he's not. He's a very, very good finisher for his lack of experience. Yeah, he's not setting the world alight, but I mean, he's putting yeah. the ball in the back of the net at a pretty good rate now. Three goals yeah. in his last three games. Mm-hmm. 
But here, here's another thing as long as we're thinking about two striker systems. So we got DK who's played himself into the squad and uh, there's a fair amount of expectation for IS. So one thing that I really, and this is probably a question for next year more than that. We're going to try to, to invent this new play style this year. But uh, I think that that could be something that we see uh, also depending on is Pereira going to be here next year. Um are we going to try to to do like a true four four two next year, where uh, where we have two out and out strikers both trying to score as many goals as possible and play off each other, which is something that we see we saw almost work with Laren and Dwyer in the past. It, it was just beginning to work, and then everything fell apart. Well, you're literally like going into the future by like maybe twenty minutes because that was going to be one of my questions. <laughs> I read your mind. Yeah, because we I do want to go in depth on Pereira now. Um are you are you all done with Tesho? Adam? Yeah, I think so. Um I, I feel like we've talked Tesho to death in the past too. We know what he is. I, I would yes, praise him for doing his job and having a good game. I would all we've seen him get played out too much in the past. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. when when we start to think, oh, Tesho's doing really well, and then he gets a few more starts, and the, you see his faults, and you're like, yeah, that's why he's a backup. So he's a very good backup to have. He's a very good squad player to have. He's a great teammate. He can do a job when he comes in. He tracks back on defense, and he's actually a pretty good defender, especially for, from a forward spot. He's a great squad player to have. You do not want to count on him to be an integral part of your start, your, your best 11. Yeah. And I think, I think we saw that come to fruition come the last two or three games going into our MLS's back tournament. All right, let's go into Maurizio Pereira. Um, and I, obviously I want to do a, a deep dive on him as well. Not just, Hey, he came back and we look good again. So chase, what aspect uh, or aspects of Pereira's game do you think are helping this team improve offensively not just the 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 amazing passes either there's more to it than that Mm. i mean it's just i don't know this this isn't quite like an intangible but i think like the best way to describe it is just like the amount of dynamism that he brings to the midfield because you know you'll watch a game and and he'll shift the ball on from one side of the field to the other and within about like five seconds he is there showing short for a pass and there really isn't many other midfielders we have that would do something like that because you know it it doesn't sound like too much but you know that shifts the point of play and then he's on the ball again ready to make some things going forward and and you know I know that we don't want to just talk about oh like he's really good at at setting up other players or something like that but that is like one of the biggest things if not the biggest thing that he brings to us here um you know that Montreal assist and you know his ability to press, which, you know, is another, you know, even though that's more of a defensive contribution, pressing is one of the best ways to create attacks and no better kind of demonstrated, I guess, in the first goal of the Columbus game where, you know, Harrison Offal had a really not great giveaway, but Mauricio was there to read it, quickly turn, find a man, and then Chris Mueller settles the ball well and puts it away. And, um, you know, we, we have some other players who are, maybe capable of winning the ball in those areas, but not as many players that are capable of winning the ball and then immediately picking their head up and finding a man well, and, and creating um, goal score. Like I, I don't want to cut you off, but I am going to really no, quickly because that that's literally my job. Um, <laughs> you can, you can use the example in the same game a couple minutes earlier. 
Chris mm-hmm. Mueller gets a, a giveaway in a very similar position, takes one, two, three, four touches. Tesho's running in front of him. He can see him and then passes it, and it's too late. The window's already closed. One thing I really, really, really like about Pereira is he makes the decision and he does it, and he does it as fast as possible, and it usually comes off with him getting an assist and, or us getting an, a goal, and you know maybe he gets an MLS assist. So yeah, that, one that's, thing that's one of the the biggest things with him as well. Like you'll consistently see him being like the man that puts like Huan in space or something like that, and then yeah. Huan finds the man for the goal. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So so him just being that kind of player to when he gets the ball make the quick decision, take one touch, two touch, bang, out of his feet, you know, not taking three, four, five, to, uh, trying to to think of what to do or or trying to get the ball totally under control. Like he He's ready to go right from the off. And I, I think mm-hmm. having a good first touch like he does and and having that mentality the, to always go forward, you know, always, always try and impact the game directly in front of goal. Like that's just one of his biggest um attributes to this offense one of his biggest contributions yeah. so i think like, that's a good point i can comfortably say that like of any player and this kind of ties into how we need like a, a replacement 10 or not a replacement but like a, another 10 on the bench that comes in when mauricio is injured or needs a rest but like there's no other player on the team that can kind of pick out a run like he does like dk in montreal or dk's goal in the montreal game like dk was coming kind of from the left side and Mauricio played the ball and DK was like 20 meters away from like the destination of the ball. You know what I'm saying? Like he was just able to read the run, where would be the best place to kind of release him? When should I release him? So he's not, you know, offside or anything like that. Like, like we don't have any type of player that would control the ball, hold a man off like that, pick their head up, see a player running from like 20 yards away and, and be able to kind of understand like the direct, like, place to put the ball like what type of weight to put the ball you know i'm not necessarily explaining it as elegantly as i could but like i, I can explain it in one word go ahead. anticipation yeah that's the word that's and what you're I, looking honestly, for honestly i think that that could apply to anything if we want to you know like it, it's the anticipation of that but also like nani has it but he's he, not well, gonna play well, yeah. centrally I mean, yeah I guess obviously nani as well but yeah central players like i, I was thinking more of like sebas and junior and all them but um it's like he also like is able to, you, you know, he leads the team in recoveries consistently with games, and, and he's able to kind of anticipate like poor touches and shield run off the ball. Something that doesn't really pop up as much in stats. And also, it's like he, I feel like, covers the most distance of anyone when he's on the field. Like he, like Tesha, like I said before, like he's constantly in our final third, like one of the final men back there, like winning the ball, and he does that quite a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like he is just, he's just such a dynamic player that, like, you know, if we try to ask junior to do that or, or Sebas or, or something like that. It's just, they cannot offer us what, you know, Mauricio can offer us just as an all around player. Yeah. He's, he's very, very, very good in, in a lot of aspects of the game. Uh, Adam, what else do you want to add on to that? Have you seen anything else that, that, that is a part of his game that is really helping us, you know, be on a three game win streak? Yeah. So part of, why Mauricio Pereira is so important is because he's irreplaceable in that we don't have another guy who can do what he does. Um, right. When he's out of the team, we yeah. have to, we have to we have to play differently. The closest guys we have to Mauricio are Nani and Mueller. 
Uh, Nani has the skill, but he's a wide player and he always will be. Mueller's not quite as skilled. He could play centrally, but he just, he doesn't have, I feel like Mueller does have the anticipation trait. He just doesn't act on it. Like, you know, when you get a gut feeling and then you're like, nah, and then like a couple hours later, you realize your gut feeling was right. I feel like that's what happens to Mueller a lot. And I, on a quick tangent, because, you know, tangents are a thing. I feel so bad for Chris Mueller that his career was derailed by James O'Connor and Jason Christ because he should be in Europe right now. Like this season, he should have been sold like a season or two ago for a significant like millions of dollars. If Pereja got to Mueller when he came out of college and was developing him like this whole time, I think we might be seeing like he would already be a U.S. men's national team regular like this is one year of 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 Pereja working with what is a veteran Mueller at this point. Imagine if he could have had this like this whole development track out like and we wouldn't be frustrated because he would be trusting his gut and he would be making those those uh one and zero touch um decisions like Pereira does. But you know. He definitely needs to work on his he, he needs to work on but no coach has forced him to do that until now. Right. That's that's the mind-blowing part. It's like he was working purely off of just raw talent before with almost no developmental coaching. And then Preya comes in and it's like, here, you can make these small tweaks to get this game and become a, an MLS All-Star. It, it, it's crazy. Um, but James O'Connor. Yeah. I mean, James O'Connor had me asking if Chris Mueller was a super sub in the MLS. Exactly. I mean, That's yeah. Remember crazy. that poll I put up? It was 100% <laughs> after like 20 something votes. Yes. Yeah. It, it, crazy times. Crazy. crazy. Times. And it's not like he's even changed his game that much. It's just small tweaks here or there that Preha pointed out. I was like, why haven't you been doing this the entire time? And it's like, oh, Chris Mueller is a, is a, can score a goal or an assist every 90 minutes. Who knew? <laughs> He's second in G plus A uh, per ninety for MLS. By the way, is that so, with or without yeah. penalty? With without pens. Not, yeah, Wait, not oh, no, it might be with pens. I don't know. Not, is, I think I because the list that I saw it was like he was oh, at like one point zero one. Yeah, and Bradley Wright Phillips was like one point one, and like that's you know for this league that's pretty freaking sick company to be in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Especially if you're a wide player. And BWP isn't playing every game. No. Yeah. So he's yeah, like, I think he just barely gets the, he gets like the minimum minutes requirement. Like yeah, yeah. It's just crazy development. From from he and like Benji. I don't know if we're gonna talk oh, about yeah. Benji later, but Benji as a player and Chris as a player are taking like you have to talk about that goal at a minimum later. Yeah. I mean we, we can move on to it now. No, no, unless... no, I have some something to add back to the original question. The original question that was asked because all of us have forgotten except for me now was if I had anything to add on what Mauricio Pereira brings. I was talking about his irreplaceability and how we have to shift how we play to account for making up for that when he's out. And we talked about this a little bit with Sabos earlier about how the team is starting to get back to how they were them when they were at their best. And a huge part of that is Pereira coming back and, and coming back into being a regular with the team. When a player that important is out, and you don't have a replacement for him, the slack falls to that they leave 
falls to everyone else who is still there to pick it up. And when they have to pick up the slack for a, a player that, that did an irreplaceable job, it becomes an impossible task to replace that. And then what happens then is when they're trying to, to fill in for some of that irreplaceable player's responsibilities, they end up not doing as well with their own responsibilities. That's what we've seen with Sebos, who's been trying to get forward more and play in a little bit more space and trying to, to advance his passing a little more, which is not his game. That's why he's been a little disappointing, because he's not great at it. But we've known he's not great at that. I also think this does what you just said, that which is a fantastic point, and I'm glad you stopped us to bring it up. I think it, it also says something about Oscar Pereja, because when you lose somebody that monumental to your squad, I think you cannot just plug in different players and ask them to 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 fill in that role. I think you need to change something a little bit. For example, I think we should should have started doing a high press um, a lot earlier than just the Columbus game because, and I, th- I think we did a high press against Atlanta as well to, to some extent, but be, I feel like you have to do a high press because high, pressing high can create chances for you. And Here. what was our biggest flaw? Creating chances yeah. after... Pereira left why I don't think they did a high press is one Pereira is probably the he's definitely the best presser in the midfield okay but you can you can teach players to press and I mean Andres Pereira is very good at pressing as well but here's the thing about why Pereira is so integral to playing that high press is because and we talked about this a little um off air but because he's a he's a massive safety net for the midfield. And here's what I mean. He's not necessarily, if you mess up with the press, well, if the striker messes up with the press, prayer is usually right behind them to apply more pressure. But even if you mess up with the press and you get through, it's not going to happen that often because when you're retaining as much possession as you do, the um, with prayer in the midfield and being able to control the midfield, the opposing midfield is uncomfortable. So even if the ball does get through, they're off their game a little bit and they're not going to be able to take advantage of it as quickly, which allows you that precious second or two to reset your defense behind the ball again. Without Pereira there applying that pr- pressure offensively to, to their midfield, it also forces them back a little bit and, and they can't play through press effect as effectively as if Pereira wasn't there because it's like, oh, what's going to happen if we if we lose it? Nothing. They don't have anyone to take advantage of it. So Pereira coming back makes the press so much more effective just off of the the atmospheric effect of him being there versus, yeah, I can teach Joey Desart to press, but what's Joey Desart pressing really going to do? Not much in the grand scheme of things. I might create a, one or two more cheap goals off of playing this press, but I think we would also, we were playing some pretty solid defense other than on set pieces during that stretch. I think that, Pereja was kind of fine with the stretch of draws a little bit. Like we didn't lose many games. We lost one. Yeah. Miami. That was it. So it wasn't like they were playing awful. I think he was honestly just saying, Hey, we're going to be solid defensively. We're not going to give up many goals. uh, And we're going to get what we can kind of playing very direct through, through Mueller, Nani and DK. We played games on the margin and the margin ended up being even every game. And then we got, you know, Miami got that lucky goal and then the the one in stoppage time. I, I don't think that Pereja uh, messed it up at all. I think I, I don't think he should have pressed more than he did. I think I, I think then we would have given up more goals. 
But you literally said in there, you said, if we press more, we might get one or two more cheap goals where they we force we a giveaway. We also might give up one or two more cheap goals. That's a possibility. Okay, so, I, yeah. So I think I th- it's a risk reward there, and I think it's one that Preha decided he didn't want to take. And honestly, with the position the team is in, I can't fault him for that. Yeah, okay, I guess. Um, let's move on to Benji, because he was another player I wanted to, to touch on. Um, Chase, what do you think is Benji's best position? We've seen on the left now. He looked decent. We saw him in the middle. Um, we've seen him in the middle before. We've seen him in the middle. He can't, He was in the middle against Columbus, right? Mm, yeah, I believe so. It's and then we've seen him on the right tons of times. So, for you, what is his best position in this team, in this system? Well, so, if we're talking specifically in this team and in this system, it's probably out on the right, because I think that that's where, you know, he would get his best minutes, I guess. And, and he's probably the second choice right winger, I would I would guess, behind Chris. And, you know, once we move him into striker, he is, you know, behind DK, probably behind... I mean, we'll we'll have to see a bit of Ios, but Ios looks really good, and Ios is pretty much just a striker position. Like he doesn't have that positional versatility that Benji does. So Benji does really well on the right side. I don't really prefer him on the left, um, but Benji does well on the right side. I think that's where he'll get most of his minutes. But he, as a player, like to me, he just is a striker. You know what I'm saying? And whether that's in a two striker formation or or maybe he's starting to kind of you know like like this goal he created like wholeheartedly by himself, which is kind of something more akin to what I would expect out of, like, Daryl. Uh, Daryl DK, obviously, rather than, than Benji Michelle. But just, you know, his... I think that his pace, his, you know, positional intelligence, I guess, with his his runs between, like, center backs and things like that. And, you know, he's he's a pretty good finisher. Like, I definitely think that he's best suited as a striker. Um, but, you know, if we're going to have to look to getting him involved more, which, you know, he's making that claim. You know, we just talked about it. Like, he's made a huge jump as a player. And this Columbus game is, you know, just proof of that. You know, like he, he to get him involved, it's probably better to get him involved as on the wings, prefer, preferably the right side. But yeah, if I was, you know, building an MLS team, I would look at Benji Michelle personally as like try, like you know. And this is also like tangential, which you know, Adam, I'll, I'll go off on one real fast. Like we have a couple players who are our backup players. Where if I am like a Nashville type MLS team where I'm not going to spend a lot of money. Like I would go after a Benji Michelle. Like I would be interested in that. I would be even interested in like a Kyle Smith or Brian Rowe or, um, you know, even like a Tesho or something like that. And I, I think Benji's that type of player. And like, if I was building an MLS team like that, I would look at him as a striker first and foremost, obviously. you know what I'm saying? Oh, I, I, I've said that before. I don't know if mm. you remember, but I think Nashville is, sadly enough is the perfect place for Benji's yeah. career to blossom and for Nashville to, to increase their, their squad uh, ranking in terms of um, where they finish in the league table because their, their play style, uh, the coach they have um, everything about that team right now screams Benji Michelle to me. It just, yeah, screams. so I think that's I, good... yeah, I've, I've said that too. Like it might be in his best interest, I guess, to move abroad. But after hearing some of his quotes in the press conference, talking about dying for this team, I can comfortably say I'd never want Benji Michelle leaving. I don't want, yeah, I don't want it, but, but I think, 
that might be best for him. Uh, I'm not saying that staying is the worst yeah. option for him either. I, I want him to stay. I, I think he's obviously scored some important goals for us this season, as specifically the Columbus one. Um, what an amazing goal, by the way. But Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, but um, and he, he's just been good for us overall. Um, Adam, I know you wanted to, to say something on him. So do you want to say something on him before we talk about the goal? Yeah. So Benji, I, I echo your sentiments and that it's, it's very unfortunate that this isn't the place for his career to blossom to the full potential that it could. It's also, this is how great squads are built that you have great players coming off the bench, you know, that, that it's like, oh, it's the 60th minute and we need a goal. And this guy just isn't playing all well for this game just for whatever reason. Hey, Benji, come in and score us a goal, please. You know, do you do you think we have the best squad in MLS? That's tough. Um, I know like you, you don't know you get, every squad. I mean, but you got LAFC, you know. It, OK, but when LAFC went through an injury crisis, they were mid table. Like I lower mean, mid table. I mean, when we went through an injury crisis, we drew like eight games, four, you know, or three in a row and lost it, one. But it, it felt we were it down to like, our yeah. third string. Yeah, it, like I, I think part of the reason Philadelphia so is so squad Philly, yeah, Philly squad is amazing. They've been healthy. They've been healthy, and they have a very good and a very deep squad. Um. Let's yeah. see. So, Seattle, uh, Seattle always, you know, uh, Toronto has a really good start. Um, top eleven, I think the contenders are, are Orlando, LAFC, Seattle, um, Philly. And I just Toronto. think we have really bolstered our our squad in general, not just the starting eleven, yeah. but the yeah. overall players I think in our squad could, contribute way more than they did last season. You could make, I think. Once everyone's healthy and with the addition of IS and Alvarado, I think you can make the case that Orlando has the best overall squad in MLS. I, I think you're right. I, I, would... I think I think we are also very biased. <laughs> Let me make that no, very clear no. because you you will have Seattle fans claiming differently. You'll have Philly fans claiming differently. You'll have TSC fans claiming differently. You'll have LAFC fans claiming differently. I think those are the five clubs that have the, a legitimate argument. And you can, you can say you value like top end talent differently, and you can value like, um, you know, attacking pieces differently and style and whatever. I think LAFC probably has the best top end talent, which is why they came to my my mind first because top end talent can win you a, a, a in a tournament format. They can win you a couple games in a row, um, like MLS Cup playoffs are. Um, and what you're ultimately doing in MLS is building a squad to win MLS Cup. That is the highest uh, trophy that is readily available to the teams until CCL becomes a, a, um, a realistically attainable trophy. MLS Cup is, is the highest one available. And so you're going to build teams to win a four-game tournament, basically. And that's what LAFC has done. And I honestly think that if Vela is healthy for them, they are the favorites for, uh, for MLS Cup. Uh, just because, you know, the the Rossi and Vela show is uh is going to be pretty hard to beat. That uh, that's just my Bradley opinion. Wright Phillips. Bradley Wright Phillips. Too. It's crazy that you didn't mention if, the leading goal and assist. Exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah. But it's just because they're both so sick. Yeah. But it's also because Rossi and Vela are that good. Yeah. And also Latif Blessing and Atwest has been very good. Their their defense is lacking. And and we saw that when we played them in the tournament. Their defense is their defense is average. But in terms of raw attacking talent, like it's not honestly them in Miami, unfortunately enough, but fuck Miami. <laughs> All right. Um, that, that's a tangent. Uh, back yeah. to Benji. Back to All Benji right. as we were talking about. <laughs> But no, it's it's really good because great teams have the these talents that can come off the bench and 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 Benji can come get us a goal and he has chemistry with the team. He has particularly chemistry with Mauricio Pereira, which is the most important person for him to have chemistry with. Um, so that that's fantastic. I was gonna make another point. Uh, give me two seconds to think of it. Come on, this is why we don't go on tangents, Adam. I know. <laughs> Pace position. No. Always available. Oh, I got it. So I think because Benji is is so good, he's good enough to be a regular in the starting 11. He absolutely is. I think that's why we've seen him move around so much because Pereja realizes this too. And he realizes that his talent does not match his playing time currently. And so he's trying him in a bunch of different spots to say, hey, where can I get this guy on the field? And how can I do it? And just let him try to make something happen. And uh, I, it's it's a difficult problem if Oscar Pereja still have, hasn't solved it. And, and I think that's all the, the evidence that you need there, that NG is A, talented, and B, doesn't quite fit the squad right now. But squad's changed, so who knows about next year. Yeah, and... and- one of my favorite things about Benji and, and also about Mueller and, and a lot of our young players is their willingness to learn, their willingness to, to, you know, work hard for, for the team. And, and this group of players we have right now is a very learning work hard for the team type group of players. And I'm really happy with the squad we've built. And uh, these players will go down in history. They already have, they've got a home playoff game. They've, they've, um, They've gone to a final, um, you know, it just this squad we have right now is great. And I think Benji is one of those players that really encap, encap, encapsulates, oh my gosh, um, this squad. And so I couldn't be happier with him. Chase, let's talk about the goal specifically. Um, how big of a moment is that? Not just to get the three points, not even just to get the the home playoff game but how big of a moment is that of that how big of a moment is that goal yeah like in the orlando city pantheon like i i pose this question on twitter like i think that it's it, moments if we're looking at just mls tenure like i honestly think that it is like somewhere in like the top five moments at least personally as a fan um you know like it just with everything that was happening in this game, you know, like the nefarious later rescinded red card that, I mean, maybe it was a foul, but even that's questionable. And for it to be a red card, it, it makes it one of the worst calls I've ever seen in, in sports. So, like, that's not hyperbolic. And, you know, we had the home playoff game in our hands. And, and I think even, like, you know, if we lose this game and, you know, in my head I was like, what if we lose this game? Now he's out. If we lose the Nashville game, like, I think NYCFC could still have jumped us. You know what I'm saying? Like, wouldn't like, we have I was, been tied with NYCFC and they would have had us on the tiebreaker? 
Yeah, because they have more like, wins than us. Like if we if we tie this game, I think we're tied with NYCFC going into decision day, and we might yeah. be actually below them if we tie this game. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking just tied. Like honestly, yeah, we would we would have been in I, fifth place. I thought we were gonna lose the game, and like I, I, there was a good chance at least, and and you know it just felt like it was being unfairly taken away from us, and like yeah. You know, I, I like watching sports, you know, as a fan, but like now because I do things like this and, you know, I want to work in sports, like I have to like look at it analytical, but like just as a fan, like getting like the emotions that I guess I was experienced, like I was so frustrated with just the situation and to have a like a young homegrown player step up 10 men down when like, you know, it, it feels like, you know, we weren't down because of our own volition. It was it was taken out of our hands and and to have you know, a ball lumped up a, someone that, you know, came through our academy from the area and stuff like that with the probably front runner for MLS defender of the year, you know, Abubakar Keita, who was at the under 20 world cup recently. And, you know, he's a pretty good center back in his own right. And I think it was like one of the fullbacks, either Harrelson Offal awful or Waylon Francis, you know, MLS veterans, like it was him versus those three. And he was able to collect the ball, get in behind and put it past, you know, one of the better goalkeepers in the MLS to send us into, you know, a guaranteed home playoff, something which, you know, we've never had a playoff game, let alone a home playoff game in our existence in the MLS. And, uh, you know, just, just the entire situation with everything going into it, it was like literally personally, and I know that this is recency bias and things like that. And, and, you know, we'll probably have bigger moments in the future, hopefully going to the playoffs, but like that was like, for me as a sports fan, like that's as good as it gets. Like that is why, like we watched the game. Like it, it was crazy. It's just like straight narrative. Down yeah. to ten men, you're you you got not only down to ten men, you got scored on like two minutes after going down to ten men unfairly, one hundred percent unfairly. Uh, I don't even think that's a conversation. Like the the misleading picture is it's ridiculous. Um, the fact that people, I'm gonna go on my little high horse for a second, but. I think it's ridiculous that VAR is allowed to slow down replays and look at still pictures to make a decision because those kind of decisions aren't aren't made from from pictures. You know, the contact isn't what makes a red card a red card. It's not the boot hit the studs hitting the shin or the ankle. It is not that. It is the momentum of the player going over the top of the ball, the momentum of the player both feet off the ground, you know. It, those picture that picture is so misleading. It makes it look like Nani's going full speed into his ankle. The ball's nowhere near him anymore. Like that just makes it look so bad. When you play the replay over and over again, you know what you see? You see him toe poke the ball away. He falls straight down, and his studs make contact with the player who's running over over the ball. Like that's not a red card ever. I could maybe, 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 maybe see an argument for yellow just because of the contacts being there, the the contacts, the studs being there, but like no way is that a red. I didn't even really think it was a foul, like ridiculous call, but yes. So it's narrative that unfairly called red card, they score. And then we, it's looking like destiny, us being able to control our destiny is like slipping away from us. And we battle hard. We battle for our captain and Benji kind of, does it on his own, sticks the ball in the back of the net. We now have a home playoff game, something that might have been going away. Um, we were, I was wrong. We would have been in fourth place heading into decision day. Um, and NYCFC has been very good. They're facing Chicago. 
Uh, and we're facing Nashville, which is a game we will probably win. But still, you never know on decision day. Um, we've never been in the playoffs before. And, you know, going away to NYCFC potentially instead of being at home against NYCFC, which is already which already would have been looking like a hard game. We are now looking like we could potentially be facing New England, which is an easier game than NYCFC. I know you have to beat the best to be the best, but I would like us to get one playoff win. And that is more likely when facing New England and placing NYCFC. I don't think you could have written the script any better when you add the fact that Benji Michelle is a homegrown, like Chase said. Um, you know, if if you want anybody to score that goal, it's probably Benji Michelle. Just, Here's just, another thing. That celebration, though. <laughs> the, the airplane the arms into the Nani backflip into the fist pump and dog pile. <laughs> I, what a a celebration that befits the moment because you know that swag right there. I gotta say that that is absolutely swag right there, which is something that all good teams need. You need some dog and you need some swag and Benji's got the swag. And it, it's like you said afterwards, like that he'd die for this team. And that's a little strong, Benji. I love it. <laughs> but you can absolutely see the heart. Like they, I mean, there's also the picture I love of the, the, the mass confrontation that got us the fine <laughs> against the referee. And you just see Urso's face. I love Urso's face in that picture. You could see the team took it personally. And then for Benji to not even think about it, like he scores that goal and immediately he just goes into that backflip and you just knew the symbolism there is just so good. It's so good. I love it. Yeah, it it truly is. I think it's one of the top moments, Chase. I think you're right about that. Um, I, I think it's, and again, we are all very biased at this moment. I think it's goal of the season. Right? It's For club or for the league? For the league, I can't yeah, think of a better goal. I mean, maybe not in terms of well, like it was a very nice goal. Maybe it was a very nice goal in terms of quality, but just the entire situation. I think the was... quality is there to be a contender in terms of it was a long ball and then just the moves Benji had to pull off to even get a shot. And then to mm-hmm. I think the quality of the goal is there to like it looks pretty enough on on uh on the video. And then to add in, it's for securing that home playoff game. It's a short shorthanded goal after your captain goes off. It's the homegrown. It's a it's a late winner. I I think that all that that context plus it was just an amazing goal. I think that has to be. I can't think of another goal that tops it from any other club this season. I mean, I I think the forty yard goal from forty yard free kick from Glassness over in Philadelphia. I think that's going to win it. Because I, that's what about, MLS likes. They like yeah. far range goals. They don't like narrative goals. I, I yes, long long goals are impressive. I'm sorry, Benji's goals. I like skill goals, honestly. And yes, the the 40 yard free free kick absolutely has some skill. But it part of it's you know you hit it really hard and get lucky <laughs> is really what happens on those long free kicks. Unless it's just like a top road, like a top five player in the world. Like if you're an MLS player, like hold up here. If you're an MLS player scoring a 40 yard free kick. Yes, it's an amazing goal. It's also 98% luck. We all realize this, right? 
he just smashes it. When you hit anything, when anything is going through the air that hard, it's going to do some wacky stuff in the air that fast. Um, if you throw a frisbee, if you throw a baseball, if you throw a football, any, anything that you're like, or kicking a soccer ball, anything that's going through the air for that an extended period of time and that quickly is going to do some wacky things running into those air particles. And sometimes it goes in the corner of a net. You know, mm-hmm. I, that's luck to me. And yes, Menji's also involved in an element of luck, but also there is just so much skill involved in that goal and just getting the shot off. And it's a, it's a better goal to me. All right. I mean, yeah, that's fair. Uh, That's a fair assessment. Um, Let's finish off this podcast episode with talking about two of the new players as we have now been able to, to see them on the field for extended periods of time, not starting, but extended periods of time. Let's start with IS, someone I've been very impressed with. And Adam, I'll start with you. What are, what are some of the things that you've liked about IS's game? I think IS is a very good all-around striker in that he uh, his positioning is good. He's a good in combination play and build-up. He, uh, he's good at, at getting into those, I already said positioning, but uh, getting into a... His movement his movement but his uh he's he gets ready to strike the ball you know what i'm saying what he presents himself for the pass so he's ready to strike it and and try to score anticipates anticipates is a good word (laughs) for it he has anticipation he just he kind of looks like he just looks like a quality natural striker and it's it's exactly the type of player that we're we needed to insert in the squad before dk merged and it's why we signed him. And I think we've seen exactly why we signed him. He hasn't gone on a scoring streak yet, partially because he hasn't gotten the minutes to do it. But I think uh, once he starts getting some more minutes, particularly if he starts some games, we'll see him put on his scoring boots pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. Um, he looks fast. He looks like he's he's good on the ball. Um, he looks like he's good. He's good off the ball movement wise. Um he makes good runs uh, for what we've seen late in games. I've been kind of annoyed at our usage of both of the players because we were three 0 up against Atlanta. Yeah, um, I think give that him, both of them should have come in around like fifty. Honestly, give give him twenty. I mean, give him twenty minutes. Don't give him the last ten when we're gonna be bunkering, trying to trying to sit for the last, you know, trying to keep our lead. They went in, and the second they came in, we decided the bunker tactic was the perfect thing to do. Like, why bring them in if you're just going to play defense? You know what I mean? Like, yes, get them on the field, obviously, but get them on the field a little bit earlier. We dominated possession for the 10 minutes before they came onto the field. They came on the field, and Atlanta were like, oh, I guess we better attack now since we're 3-0 down. They score a goal, and obviously IS does score a goal, but... Did he really? He didn't score a goal. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he did, but... The ball deflects off of him after deflecting off of somebody else, and it ends he up. He scored a goal in the same way that Hosu Komon did. Yeah, yeah, the shot bouncing off his back. But like, I mean, I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing. I'm not liking their usage right now. Um, Chase, you're going to get Alvarado unless you have anything else to say on IS. I personally have not been impressed up to this point. Um, what what say you? Yeah, well, I have more to say about. IS than I do Alvarado, but obviously I think both of them have gotten collect not collectively, but like both of them have gotten less than 30 minutes probably on the field this entire season. So 
it is an immeasurably small sample size, you know what I'm saying? But, um, you know, I, just from what I know of Alvarado, like, he he is a very hyped-up player, and for good reason, you know? Like, he did pretty well in, like, the Copa Sudamericana. Like, I, I think before it got called off, his team, like, Alcas were, were doing well, if I'm not mistaken, and he was, like, scoring and stuff like that. But, you know, his time on the field hasn't been overly spectacularly or overly spectacular rather you know um he's more of a pure winger i feel like and you know he can cut in a bit but he's the type of player that you'll get the ball to and and he's good at beating man or beating a man at least that's kind of what the stats show but we haven't really gotten to see that yet like when he's on the ball he either makes like a fairly safe pass or like you know he loses it a couple of times and much like you know my very you know, positive viewpoint of IS is my more so negative viewpoint of Alexander Alvarado isn't necessarily justified and doesn't hold much weight because Gavin, like you said, like they haven't been used very well. They haven't gotten a consistent run out on the, on the field really ever. Like, you know, at most they'll get like 15 minutes in a game. And I think, I think IS maybe had 15 against Atlanta and Alvarado probably had 15 against Montreal. And then that was all that they've really had in the field. And, and, you know, Alvarado hasn't impressed me too much. It, as you can kind of tell, I don't have a whole lot to say about him because there really isn't much to say about him as a player. He hasn't been great so far, but that does not really mean anything. And I ask, he does some things that excite me. Like, you know, when he's on the ball, he looks very capable of, of, of turning and, and being very direct. Like, you can tell that he has that kind of South American and even European kind of like footballing education, if that makes sense. Whether that'll translate, you know, who knows? It doesn't doesn't always work as well as as just you know having a European pedigree, as, despite if it's just like second division of Spain or something like that. But, um, yeah, it's just I know you asked me about Alvarado, but just wholesale for both of these players, there have been some impressive moments for Ias, been some unimpressive moments for Alvarado, but it's just you know we don't have enough of a sample size, I guess, to really say anything about them. And, you know, in my view. Yeah. And, you know, while the Nani red card was an awful decision, part of me was like, Oh, we'll get to see Alvarado start. Yeah. Hopefully. And, you know, maybe we still do. Let's give Nani a rest before the playoffs. You know, that might mm-hmm. still happen, but like, I'm not very, Nani very well could start. And Alvarado might have lost that opportunity to impress uh, on his first starts against Nashville because, no way IS or Alvarado start in the playoffs unless somebody gets injured, you know? Yeah, that's the biggest, you know, issue or, or whatever, just the kind of the worst thing about IS taking so long to get into the first team is like, you know, if we got him, like the day he was announced, if he was able to get into training, I don't know, like five or 10 days later, rather than have to wait for paperwork, like he could already be pretty much acclimated into this squad and, and we could be having wholly different conversations about the striker part and you know maybe that would be to the detriment of dk so maybe it's a good thing i guess not a good thing but you know what i'm saying but it's just he is an attacking option that we're probably not going to be able to use as much and you know as many exciting attackers i guess as you could have in a squad helps you in the playoffs so it's a little bit of a dis- of a disappointment that it just took so long to actually get him in you know yeah um Adam, do you have anything to say on Alvarado? We haven't really seen much. Uh, not really. Just I, I think that Alvarado is more brought in for next season rather than this season. Anything that he gives us this year is honestly gravy. Uh, but we might see him get. Uh, I, 
if I were Oscar Pereja, my goal for IS and Alvarado, I would start them both honestly tomorrow. Um, because tomorrow's game honestly kind of doesn't matter. Uh, it does a little bit, but honestly, with fourth place walked up um, and third, extremely likely, because I don't think we're going to lose to Nashville. Um, and they're both good players. Uh, assume, assuming our scouting reports are correct, all of this is to say I would start them tomorrow and just try to get them some chemistry with the team. Uh, because the more players that we can have confidence in going into the playoffs, the better. Um, also, I don't know how Joao Moutinho is going to look, but uh, do we know if he is going to be able to get some minutes tomorrow or no? Is he on the injury report? Is he? Has anyone looked at that? I, thought, I don't even think he's cleared yet because Mauricio is he not cleared. Is Uri cleared? Recently, but it's still Uri's been training yeah, Uri, for the last like Uri's, three Uri's weeks. Been training. Okay, so, he's so we and... might see Rosell tomorrow. Joao's out. Dom's okay, out. Yeah, Joao, it's yeah. Obviously, the the two names. So are, are we are we gonna see playoffs? No, no, no. You don't think so? I don't oh, think Dom? even. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 Joao. If even if we have um, him uninjured and back in training, I don't think he tries to shove him in there because by the time he does get out of training or out of injury and training, we might be in like a, a final, a conference final if That's we're still in the true. And okay, is he so, going to risk that? I don't think so. I think his season I think over. here's the thing. I think if Kyle Smith can keep his Columbus form through the playoffs, then I think that, that he's not going to risk it. I think if we were have to revert back to Kamal Miller playing left back, then I would risk Joao playing. Agreed. Honestly, I, don't, I like I like Kamal. Kyle was very good at left back against Columbus. Mm-hmm. I think good enough that he's above replacement level even at the moment. At the moment, not saying anything about career, uh, class, or form or whatever. At the moment, he's playing above replacement level, and so and Kamal Miller isn't. Kamal Miller, if Kamal Miller's replacement replacement level doesn't mean bad, it just means, I mean, you can get another guy to do the same job, uh, at like an average MLS player. I think that's the level that Kamal Miller is playing at. And Kyle Smith was actively adding to the game at left back, uh, which is impressive for a right-footed player. I might add. Um, so that's where where I'm at. If you're getting a, a plus job from position, you don't mess with it. But if you're not, then I think you have to risk Joao coming back because you need to be absolutely at your best to win a championship. And that's the goal. Yeah. Um, last thing I want to talk about here is Pereira's contract. Um, is he leaving? <laughs> are we, we have our most no important idea. player what do you guys think about that i mean with mauricio it's like obviously it's unknown and we won't probably know until you know it's announced whether he's staying or or if he's going god forbid but uh just on a bigger issue like mauricio leaving even more so than like a, like Nani, in my opinion. Mauricio leaving is the one thing that could see us go from being, you know, such a quality team that we are now. Like, we're not going to, like, I, I don't think that we'll revert to being one of the worst teams in MLS again, but that could see us take, like, a staggering drop-off to just kind of like a mid-table team. You know, like, 
he he also can't be replaced by just I mean at least in my opinion he can't be replaced by some like really promising young talent from like the Argentinian league or something like that like the amount of um so I don't let's know, say exper- he, like well, it depends on who you're getting are you getting Ezekiel Barco or are you getting Miguel Almiron I hate that I just named two Atlanta players but it's the Atlanta model. oh yeah yeah well Miguel yeah. Almiron I think when he came to the league was like 24 and if we're gonna spend that type of money that would be brilliant and you know it would lessen my fears but it's just like Mauricio Pereira to me like I almost feel like we would have to spend like 10 15 million dollars to get someone who even comes we got Mauricio Pereira on a free well yeah it's here's that but that was just a bit of a I don't know here's what I think will happen it's not what I think should happen. What I think should happen is they should throw all the money at prayer that they possibly can. They won't. Here's what will happen. Because Muzi is smart, but he's also a GM. And GMs operate a certain way. They take care of the books. They're going to offer Pereira a fair contract. Pereira might want to leave. He might think, hey, I'm still at the top of my game. I'm at the end of my prime. Let me get two more years in Europe in a... a Potentially, I think he could move to Serie A and be fine for like a mid-table Serie A team, maybe even like a prem team or something. Like, I could see him going to you know Brighton or somewhere. He might think, he might think, hey, I got two years left in my prime. I'm at the top of my game. I've shown really, really well in in these two years in, in MLS. Let me try to get one last payday. And Orlando's not going to be able to, if, if a, a European top five league team really wants him, Orlando's not going to be able to match that money. It's just not going to happen. And so, but I think they'll have a fair offer on the table. It'll be, it'll come down to whether or not Mauricio Pereira wants to be here. Pereira wants to be here. He'll stay. If, if he wants to move, he will probably move. Now, the thing is Dom's going to be off the books and it's already kind of public knowledge that Orlando said he is planning to have at least one big splash signing uh, in the in the the winter transfer window. And so, uh, looking if, at all our moves right now, where do you think that big splash signing is? It kind of has to be attacking. It mid, has no? to be attacking mid. So, well, it if Pereira stays, it can be anywhere. It, it could honestly be a center back if they really wanted to, but it, it could be anywhere. And it kind of doesn't matter. You're just trying to strengthen the team. But if Pereira leaves, then they can use that big splash signing where they're going to spend a few million and get a DP. And uh, and they can they can make that an attacking mid and attempt to replace him. Now, with Muzi and Ricardo, their view is that no player is irreplaceable. You can always get a player to come in and do a job. Pereja too. Their, their view is that their mentality, their culture, uh, they have good a good coaching staff, they have a good system. As long as they supply good ingredients to Pereja, he can make them work. So you may not get someone quite as good as Pereira, but, uh, I mean, Zellerion is and Pozuelo are the only two other attacking mids in MLS who are playing as well as Pereira right now. And so if you can get a guy in there who can, and I think we fell apart without prayer partially because we just didn't have anyone who played the same position, let alone be him. So if you can get a good attacking mid, then it's, it's more feasible that you could keep the train rolling, uh, rather than just throwing all of the money at prayer in an attempt to get him to stay. And then ending up in 
potentially a Dom Dwyer situation where you threw a, a bunch of money at, at an aging player at the end of his prime. And then now he's starting to decline. And uh, what happens now? You know, cause if yeah. you do throw, if you do throw all that money in here at him, it likely needs to be a couple year contract or maybe more like a three or four year contract. Cause you're going to need to provide him financial stability at the end of his career. So that's probably not the smart money there, even though we would love to have him. Do you think, Chase, does Coleman coming back from loan have any impact on this? Well, you know, I, it just all depends on how, how much Coleman is getting paid and like what his contract status is. So I don't think that he'll be coming back as a DP, would he? No, but he would come back as an international. Yeah. And we'd have to move him on because, you know, I, maybe Charo Portinho will want him back, and they will sign him. But I just don't, don't really know. think he would come back taking a DP DP slot. His his contract doesn't change. Just right. he's still back to love. He he would come back as a DP. And so financially, yes, there is an effect there. But they honestly, I don't think I don't think they would let him come back as a DP. Yeah, <laughs> they, they well, would just about it. It a case. I don't think that he's coming back. I honestly don't really see him coming back into the fold in general. I think it's more likely that the deal he has right now in Paraguay becomes permanent. And then we just kind of look elsewhere, not necessarily because he was like a failure. Like he's a talented player and he was a bit of a victim of, you know, what Chris Mueller was under various managers where they maybe didn't use him to the best of his ability and trust him. But I just, I don't know. I've kind of become resigned to the fact that I don't think his future is here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I I I would love to see him under Pereja, see what we have mm. there because I've I like his his on the ball technicality. Um, you know, maybe he's not that impactful in the final third, but I think if we had him right now to be a backup to Pereira, I would not be mad about that. Oh, a backup 10,000%. That would I feel like, you know, that kind of four game spell where we only got draws you know like we could have just if we had anyone backing up as who was like a natural 10 that would solve probably the biggest issue with the squad as a whole um just not having a, a true like for like backup for Mauricio but he's too much money I feel like just to play as a backup yeah yeah definitely um do you guys have any other players you want to touch on any any other topics you want to talk about uh, I mean, you know, Daryl DK has been doing pretty decently. Um, I, I was I wasn't like a critic of him, and you know, obviously he's a very talented player, but you know, he had the tendency to drift in and out of games, and you know, there was a point in time where he wasn't scoring, so I was like questioning whether or not he was not good enough to start, but maybe not good as like as he's been hyped up to be. And I, I think that he's mainly proving me wrong in the, the next couple games, like. He clearly is just like a very um, complete striker. And, and, you know, maybe I would like to see him on the ball a bit more. But when he's producing at this rate, it's not really much of an issue. And it's it's no shock that he's, you know, already kind of in the U.S. men's national team picture for some people. You know, for some people, they don't see him in that way. But, you know, he's just performing at that elite level now. And, and you know, I think I remember Stu Holden talking about, like, you know, it is the best team 
on form going into the the MLS playoffs who has an advantage. And as much as I don't necessarily like Stu Holden, I think that that's a very good point. And uh, I think that DK is entering that kind of form. And, and you know, maybe, you know, we didn't get to see him against Columbus and, and maybe we'll see him against Nashville. Maybe not. I don't know. I, I, th- I think he was just sick, right? But, you know, yeah. maybe we'll see him he's tomorrow. Trained. But, like, he feels like he's entering, like, another level as a player almost where he is producing consistently and – uh, I'm just very excited to see what he can do in a playoff. Should we scenario. do uh, lineup pred- predictions for tomorrow? Sure, why not? Let's do that first. real quick. Um, I think Galas is in goal, right? Yes. Oh, lineup. I thought you said lineup. No, we're not doing that because yeah, public yeah, opinion yeah. has shifted against that. Uh, oh, that means Gavin's scared. <laughs> scared. <laughs> Gavin's scared of the public opinion about lying up, lying down. No, but if people don't like it, obviously I'm not going to do it. doesn't make sense. And well, I know well, Daniel hates it. <laughs> That's half the fun. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm fine with doing lineup predictions. Uh, I think Galeza and Goal. Um, wrong. Wrong? Wrong. No, Boy, it's, it's going to be... It, Is he with Peru? No, I'm joking. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Juan at right back. Carlos Janssen, center back. Smith at left back. Um, gosh, midfield is such a toss-up. I think it's Urso and Mendez. Do you guys, Are you you guys going agree 4-4? with that? You're going to need, unless you're going 4-4-2, you're going to need a third midfielder. Oh, well, Pereira's a, a lock. Oh, no. Oh, 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 oh then, then it's Perea. Urso, Mendez, Perea. So you think there is. I, I mean, Yuri's been available these last. Uh, maybe he makes the bench. No way they start him right off the bat. Like, I was surprised we started Pereira off the bat after his injury, but I don't think we do that with Yuri. He's been out for so long. He needs to be bedded in. He might get subbed in on the 60 minute mark. Um. Alvarado might start. Who knows? Maybe Nani doesn't start. Do do you guys think Nani starts? (laughs) I think they have to start Nani almost because of the situation surrounding the red card, just as a a middle finger to the league. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so you think Nani starts? I think it's likely either Ayas or Alvarado start. Probably not both of them, but... I think DK starts because he missed the last game, so I think Alvarado is the likeliest, and they'll rest Mueller. Yeah, maybe I don't, on the right. I, I think Alvarado mainly is a left-sided player, though. Like, I, I think he can do I a job that, on the right. It's a who cares at this point. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. I would yeah. like to see Alvarado start on the left. So maybe we'll see... Um, so I think we see Kamal... I think they're going to try to rest Kyle Smith a little bit because he's been playing a lot. So I think we'll see Kamal Miller start left back. Hmm. Uh, Janssen, Carlos, Juan. Midfield, I think uh, Mendez, Urso, Perea is correct. Maybe Desardo over Urso just to rest Urso. Um, and then we'll see Uri subbed in at some point. Um, I think Nani gets a half or 60 minutes, uh, but it'll be the first half. Um you and don't then, think Mueller's on the right? I think they rest Mueller because he's he's kind of been trying to carry the team a little bit. 
Uh, he's played a lot of minutes, so I think I think Mueller gets a rest day. Uh, I think Alvarado starts, and I think DK starts, and I think we see IS for significant minutes at some point. Um, wild card. So you, you think maybe? Alvarado's on the right? Because yeah. I think if I think it's Alvarado or Nani, and then it's Mueller or Benji. I think maybe I an an alternative might be Alvarado and Benji, just to reward Benji with a start. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that happens. I think DK's locked in at striker. I yep. don't think I'm starting over him because they're going to want to get him on a roll going to the playoffs. I don't. I think they have to start Nani almost because they made the fuss over the red card. They could have just taken the suspension and said, "Hey, we're yeah. we're Nani anyway. Let's just go into the playoffs. Let's not risk the extra game and the That's fine." That's a good point. Mm-hmm. I think because they overturned that, Nani at least has to make an appearance. He might start in the bench and then sub in the second half. Um, that might make more sense, honestly, to give Alvarado the start. I think Nani needs a rest, and I think, especially Nani's going into the grueling playoffs, plenty of rest though. He started like so many games with Pereira out though. He did, but also that's what he's kind of paid to do, and he does get rest games. It's true. Um, all right, so we're thinking Galese, Juan, Carlos Janssen. You think Miller? I think, um, I think Kyle Which Smith makes sense. Um, Especially Mendez, Perea. Yeah, Mendez, Urso, Perea. Maybe. Nani. So. Yeah, Nani. Benji, DK? Nani, Benji, DK could be one. I don't think we see Chris Mueller. Um, maybe off the bench. Maybe off the bench. I think Mueller probably makes the bench, but I don't think, I don't think unless, unless we're losing, I don't think we see him. Any changes of that, Chase? Um, no. I, I would probably agree that Kamal starts. I, th- I think that it's also possible that we see a squad that is a bit more rotated. Just kind of like he did for the Montreal game, because like I know that fourth isn't in well, the balance. I, we could still lose. Yeah, we could still lose third place. Yeah, no, I yeah I know that, but I think he goes strong. I I think I think well like I don't think you know Oscar is playing for a draw against Montreal. I think that he kind of expects that maybe he can get a win, even with some slight rotation. Um, and, and I don't necessarily mean like does get the job done. Yeah, it's just, he needs to get a result. And like I don't necessarily mean like you know we see like Dijon or you know whomever like Brian Rowe or something like that. Sorry, Robinho. not to rotate. Yeah, Robinho or something like that. Like I just I just think that it's more likely that like I said like we'll see a combination of either Alvarado or Ayas and then maybe Benji starting. And then I think I think it was Adam that said it like we might see Desart as well. Because, you know, Desart, like you said, is just a bit of a, you know, you can stick him as kind of a stopgap in the midfield if need be. And I think that we kind of like Montreal, so I think that we'll see something like that. Um, so maybe, like, if I had to give one, I guess I would probably go, like, Pedro, Juan, Antonio Carlos, Robin Janssen. I think that you're right with Kamal. Oh, um, wait. So we don't think Tesho starts again? Um, no, I think I think I they think try DK, to get DK going. Yeah, because I, I think Tesho, because like I, I want to say that DK just had like a non-COVID related illness, right? Like that's why he was. Yeah, he had like a squad. stomach bug uh, on the shout, day. Shout out to yeah. Eddie with a uh, Daryl Ria. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> My goodness. <Yeah>. But <laughs> moving on. So you think on, like I, 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 <laughs> Yeah, I think that it's like I think Tesho started not because even that we had to rest DK, because I really don't even know if we have to rest DK. Like he doesn't seem injury prone. He doesn't seem to even get that fatigue, you know what I'm saying? So I think that it's more likely that we see DK and 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 you know get him a game back because he had a game off going into the playoffs and stuff like that. So I do think that he is gonna start. Um I think that maybe we see like I don't know. I mean, Alvarado, DK, maybe like Benji, or maybe it is what what Adam said. Well, Alvarado will play on the right, and then I think it's like Urso, Perea, Desart, and then like I already mentioned the goalkeeper in the back four. Like, like I think it might be a little bit different than you know what our our standard best eleven would be right now, excluding like Mauricio and Yuri. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. All right. <laughs> um, I think we can leave it there. Uh, please don't hesitate to let us know your thoughts and our thoughts. Please for, don't forget to leave a five-star review. Do the survey link in the description. Chase, where can our listeners find you at? Um, you can find me on Twitter at VamosOCSC and on Instagram at ChaseWCrowley. And you can also find us all tomorrow at Cappy Subs, bro. 1 p.m. Cappy Whoa. Subs. We are all you going to charge, the game. Charge Cappy. Daniel will not be there, but Daniel will be with us at the game. Yes. Chase, Adam, and I will be at Cappy's, and my lovely girlfriend, of course, will be at Cappy's at 1 p.m. Come to Cappy's if you want to meet us. At the game, and you want to buy us beer, you can do that. I'm 20, by the way. (laughs) I will drink Chase's beer. Section 109. Yep. I I think that's all our plugs. (laughs) Yeah. Um... That's it. Oh, wait. As always, I'm, I'm a kosher taco truck on stuff. Oh, yeah. All that stuff. stuff. As always, thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye bye. Yo. See you tomorrow.